Matthew 11, verses 28, 29. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, the Apostle Paul says, Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so as we think about what it means to be everyday disciples in our soul and our body, we need to live like our body and our soul are both essential to who we are. In his ministry, as we talked about last week, Jesus cared deeply about the condition of people's bodies as well as the state of their souls, and we should too. We talked about last week this idea that in our culture, uh, we tend to, to cleanly separate, at least in the way we talk, our souls from our bodies. But in our everyday experience, it's not nearly that easy to separate what's going on in our inner life and what's going on to us on the outside. It's, it's easy to talk about as if those are separate, but I have never myself been able to cleanly separate those things, especially when I'm going through something that's difficult, whether that's in my physical body or in my soul. And so I want us to kind of remind ourselves of this reality, that physical needs can also be spiritual needs. Spiritual struggles can become physical struggles. Jesus came to save all of who we are, body and soul. You know, if, if you go through life and you have never really had to deal with an illness or chronic pain, a situation in your body that you go to the doctors and they run tests and they're not exactly sure at first maybe what's going on. And then even if they figure out what's going on, they may not have the kind of answer you're hoping for. Because what happens to us when we get into situations where we're hurting every single day in our bodies is we just want to find a way back to how we used to feel. And that immediately impacts your prayer life. It immediately impacts how you think about God and God's presence in your life because whether or not we, we talk this way, most of us really feel like since we're in a committed relationship with God, for those of us who are, that our life should go easier, smoother, that, that we shouldn't have to face chronic suffering and pain or situations that, that we just can't find a way to move fast. But never, never in Scripture do we find promises that because we are disciples of Jesus, because we're following in the footsteps of Jesus, that everything in our life is going to be easier, that it's going to go smoother, that we won't have challenges. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Paul and Peter and James and John in their letters to the churches keep saying to people, look, you signed up to follow Jesus if you're a Christian. You said that the things that he went through, you were prepared to go through. And one of the things that Jesus wrestles with over and over again is the suffering in his life and the suffering in other people's lives. And so much of that, especially in Jesus' ministry, is the physical suffering that people are going through that are waging wars against their souls. 
They don't know what they believe anymore. They don't know if they believe anymore. They don't know if God loves them anymore. And Jesus is there to show that not only does God love us when we're suffering, but God joins us in our suffering. And in joining us in that place somehow carries us through it. And whether or not you've ever had struggles in your body that have led to, to wrestles with, with questions and doubts, I know that everybody in this room who's a person of faith has had a struggle with questions and not being sure at some point or another for some reason or another. You come to church and, and maybe you read your Bible or you, you try to read other books from people and, and for some reason it just feels like the words can't find a home in your soul. They can't find a home in your heart and you feel numb. You feel like you're going through the motions. You feel like you're just going to pretend that you believe until you believe again. And sometimes it feels like that, that, that's the best we can do. Regardless of what we're going through in our souls, the kinds of questions we have, maybe the frustrations we have, the, the doubts that we, we don't want to speak out loud, but we, we know are there. We realize that, that faith is not certainty. That faith is not having all the answers we want. It's a relationship. It's a trust that we have to live out. Even when we don't know what's going to happen next, even when we don't know what to do next, that we believe that the God who created us, body and soul, is with us. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we've thought, no matter what we've said. Even if we're not on speaking terms with God, God is constantly pursuing us, calling us, inviting us back to him. And we know that from our own lives, but sometimes we forget it. And we don't share enough of our stories of having to go through the valley of the shadow of death and coming out on the other side only because our shepherd is Jesus Christ the Lord. And we know it. We've got to tell those stories to each other. This connection of our bodies and our souls, it's something that in the tradition of the churches of Christ, we have held on to as much as any tradition. Right? And there are two practices that, that we do in the churches of Christ that, that help us have a full-bodied spiritual experience. The first is baptism. Right? In, in our tradition, we don't get to a place where we've made a commitment to follow Jesus and all we do is say a prayer. Right? We don't get to a place where all we do are, is have certain thoughts. But we make the decision, you know what, I want to have a full-bodied experience of giving myself over to the story of Jesus. I want to have the full-bodied experience of being buried so that I can be raised up again. Right? And we, we, none of us have ever gotten into a baptistry and mistaken it for a bath. Right? We know that what we're doing is we're trying to knit together very intentionally an experience that's going on in our souls and to our bodies. I'll never forget my baptism. And I'll be honest, I don't exactly remember what I was thinking in the moments that I got down in the water with my father, but I remember what it felt like to be baptized. And it's because it happened to me, body and soul. And, and in a similar way, every week, in the churches of Christ, we participate in communion, in the Lord's Supper. 
right? We don't only have time in our service where we try to be quiet, though it's really hard in a room this size to actually get quiet, right? But for us to get quiet, to think about the self-giving, sacrificial love and life of Jesus, we don't just meditate on that. We don't just meditate on what kinds of people it's calling us to be in community with one another. We, and we're about to do this, right? We pass trays of bread for us to break, like Jesus' body was broken. And we eat it. And we believe. You know, like that old saying, that you are what you eat. Right? And we want to be the Christ that we're consuming. And... And then we, we drink from the lifeblood, right? We drink from the wellspring of Jesus' heart and soul. And, and we are longing for our hearts and our souls to be changed by that encounter. Every week we do it. And, and we talked about you know, how mundane, how routine that can become. But it's something that happens to us. It's not just something we focus on. And because of that, it shapes us in a certain way. And brothers and sisters, I have long struggled with the fact that because we have a room this size and this many people, we, we've had to create a, 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 an experience for your body during communion that feels somewhat like a drive through Right? And at the very least, it comes to you. The, the way we do communion doesn't ask us to wrestle with I'm going to focus on the story of Jesus, the self-giving life and love of Jesus, and I'm going to decide this morning, do I still want that story to be my story? Right? That's what you're wrestling with when you reach out to take the bread and, and you take the cup. But what would, it, what would it mean if there was an invitation to a table, an actual table, where you had to get up from your seat and come forward and say, Yes, with every step I take from my seat to that table, I am choosing to believe that this is who I want to be, body and soul. So I, I know we know this. We experience this. And yet if you listen to us talk in other contexts, in other places in our life, we act like we can completely separate our body from our soul, but it's not true. You are an embodied soul. Your soul has a body. It's your body. It's you. And then there's this, this neat, really, obsession that the Apostle Paul has with the fact that somehow our bodies, when they're together, can be Christ's physical body in the world. Right? So I, I want to read some of that. The first thing I want to point out is as you, as you read 1 Corinthians 11, 28, and 30, he, he's talking about the idea that how we spiritually engage the physical act of communion has physical ramifications. And, and I'll just tell you now, it's a mystery to me, and every time I read it, I, I wrestle with it. He says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have died. Right? So we come to this table and Paul's saying, you need to be thinking about how as a church you're going to be the body of Christ in the world. And the fact that, that this church in Corinth, 
they're coming and just thinking about themselves during that meal and if they're getting enough to eat because they ate this full feast together and some of them are taking way more than they should and others who are poor aren't getting anything to eat. And he says, how could you be embodying Jesus in the world when you're treating each other like that at his table? And then he says, there's this impact in your physical life because of your spiritual brokenness. Man, that'll make you think. I remember the first time I was really not focused on communion after my baptism. My mother turned to this passage and pointed at it. And I'd been complaining that week about being a 98-pound weakling. And she knew it, and she pointed at it. And she smiled at me, and she said, I don't know what this means, but if you ever want to get big and strong, you better take this seriously. Right? Now, she was being playful, but also trying to help me understand. This is about all of who you are, son. You said this is who you want to be. Are you focused on this or not? And if I was ever going to become, in my discipleship, strong and vibrant and focused, it meant that when we come to that place, we're fully present, all of who we are. The good, the bad, the broken, the weak, we bring all of who we are. And we ask for Jesus to help bring all of that to the foot of the cross, to forgive what needs to be forgiven, to strengthen what needs to be strengthened, to help us have an imagination of who we really should be in our everyday lives. That's what can happen when we're fully present, body and soul. And then he goes on in 1 Corinthians 12, and he, he talks about this, just as a body, though one has many parts, all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body's not made up of one part but of many. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We don't fully understand how Jesus is present in the world. And I'm convinced that Jesus is present in the world in ways that are beyond us. But the central way that Jesus is present in the world, according to the New Testament, the way he's physically here, is when you're physically here. Teresa of Avila said it this way. I love this quote. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which the compassion of Christ must look out on the world. Yours are the feet with which he is about to go about doing good. Yours are the hands with which he is to bless his people. Do you look at your hands and realize they're Christ's only hands. Do, do you think about your body, and especially as we're together as a church, and, and we think about our city, we think about the people we work with, go to school with, the people we're married to, the people we're raising, do you think of us together as the physical presence of Christ? Because that's who we are, body and soul. We're about to, to take the bread together. And so those of you who are, are about to, to serve us in that way, please go ahead and, and get ready. 
I know we do this every week. And I know in some ways we may feel like this isn't nearly enough to feel like it's a love feast. But in our hearts, we can make the decision for this meal to mean far more than it has to mean. We can make the decision to picture ourselves at a table together. Can you imagine how big that table would have to be? I want you to picture the people. I want you to look around. Don't worry this morning about being super quiet. Again, it's too hard anyway. This time of year, somebody's going to cough in five seconds. Right? And, and the kids are at the table with us because we're families and we come to the table together. Right? And I want you to think about the fact that as we, as we take that broken body of the Lord, I love that one of the things about this church is someone made that for you. We didn't just buy it. Right? There are people here who bake that bread with their hands, which means that it's Christ's hands that have made the bread that we're now going to break. And we're going to figure out as we take this meal, what is it about me, body and soul, that I have kept from Jesus, that I have kept from the Holy Spirit that needs to be changed? Do I still want to be a disciple? Do I still want to be someone who's willing to follow no matter the cost because I'm convinced that even if it costs me everything, it's the only life worth living? Do you still believe all those things? Because it's been a week and you've been through a lot of things and you've had a lot of things said to you and happened to you and you may be wrestling this morning with whether or not you still want that commitment. I do. I'm not perfect at it. And I have a long way to go, but I do. I want to be a part of that. So as we take this bread, go to that place in your heart. And invite God to do whatever it is he needs to do to help you be more like his son. Let's pray. God, as we break the bread this morning and we think of the way Jesus was willing to give everything for a shot at a saving relationship with each one of us. God, we want to receive actively that saving relationship over and over and over again. So we don't come this morning taking that bread, trying to pretend that we've got it all together and that we know exactly what we're doing. We come taking that bread, breaking it, confessing to you that we're broken and that we need your healing grace and that even though we don't know exactly what it's going to mean, we want to give ourselves to you once again. It's in the name of your son Jesus who was broken for us that we pray. Amen. So as we, as we take the cup, as we drink the fruit of the vine, Paul says if, if we're at a place spiritually where we can receive it, there's healing properties to this. So what I want you to do, and you may not have ever thought of it that way, but I want you to think of someone in your life who's battling something in their body right now. And it could be you. Okay? And if it's you, it's Okay. But as we drink this fruit of the vine, I want us to ask for God to heal those people in our lives who need physical healing. Right? Because if Paul can say, when you take it without thinking about it, it makes you weak and sick, and some of you have even fallen asleep, have died, then to me it seems that on the other side of that reality, that truth is, if we're in the right frame of mind, if our hearts are in the right place, if our souls are where they're supposed to be, that healing takes place at this meal. Not just figurative, and not only spiritual, 
But full-bodied healing can take place at this meal. So I want you to think about someone, bring them to Jesus in prayer, and ask for him to heal them. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for... Well, we don't know how to put it into words, God, that we thank you so much for the fact that your son gave everything, including his life, to help us find true life. And we thank you that he is, that we believe he's the great physician. And so, God, we lift up to you all of the people in our lives right now. We picture the people. We think of the names of the people in our lives as we take this cup. We are begging you to heal them, to deliver them from whatever it is that's waging war against their body. We pray in this moment that you would bring a healing that is beyond our ability to ask or imagine. It's in the name of your son we pray, amen. So in a normal week, we take communion, share the bread and the cup, and then we also, as we're still gathered around the table in our hearts, we share in the financial offering. This morning, we want to make sure that we're giving more than our finances. We want to give ourselves. Uh, and so I'm going to ask if our elders can start uh, to pass out the commitment cards that uh, we want everybody in the auditorium to get one of these cards. If, if you're able to, to read, uh, we want you to have one of these cards. So of any age, from the youngest to the oldest, we want you to have one for the last Two months, we've been leading up to this this morning where we're going to make a commitment to choose one of these seven areas of life, home life, love life, work life, financial life, social life, soul life, body life. All of them matter. All of them are essential. But if we try to grow in all of them all at the same time, uh, I am convinced that it's going to be very hard for us to make measurable progress. And so what we're, we're trying to be as practical and direct as we can. And we want every person to take the time to fill this card out, to think about it, to choose one of those areas as your special focus. Now, you'll, you'll have opportunities throughout the year. You may be somebody who struggled to have a major in college. And if you are, I want to tell you, it's not that you won't have opportunities to grow in these other areas. You will. But if you indicate that you want to grow in love life, your name and your email will be uh, a basically compiled together with the other folks in this church family who said that matters, and we'll be in touch with each one of these groups, helping you know when there's specific training opportunities for that area of discipleship life, right? We, we want us uh, to, to be doing this together. We want every single person who can to participate, so I want to give you a moment to do that. Once you have filled the card out, uh, we're going to have... Uh, you'll, you'll hear some singing through the speakers, uh, and once that starts to happen, we want you to go ahead and take the card, tear it apart. The top is for us. Uh, the bottom is for you as a reminder. It's the size of a business card, and I want you to put it somewhere that's going to remind you every day. So if that's not your wallet, don't just put it in your wallet. If you can put it somewhere on the dash, obviously not in the windshield or over your speedometer, but somewhere where you can see it in the car, put it there. If you want to put it on your bathroom mirror when you're getting ready, put it there. Uh, if you need to put it in the bottom corner of your TV because you'll for sure see that every day, then put it there. Put it somewhere where you're going to have an everyday reminder of this commitment because this commitment you're making is not to us, it's to God. 
And we want to help encourage one another and, and help hold each other accountable in loving ways to say, hey, you know what, I promised that I want to grow in my home life, and so encourage me in that, right? That's the kind of relationship we want here, but you're making this, this commitment to Christ. So once you fill it out and you tear those, those two pieces apart, keep the bottom part, and then bring the top part and place it at the foot of the cross. And I want everybody, the balcony, everybody, there's going to be plenty of time for this to happen. You don't need to feel like you have to rush. Okay, we don't want to rush this moment. Um, Jonathan Arduino, we've got the lift. We're going to get you on stage so that you can do this as well. So if you're in a wheelchair and you need to get on the stage, we can help you. We've got the stairs in the middle to help with some of the traffic. Let's be patient and nice to one another while we're laying down our cards at the foot of the cross, okay? Um, I just know how I can get in long lines. I'm not confessing for anyone else. So are we clear on what we're doing? Okay, I'm going to give you a few moments where I'm not going to talk. Uh, and then you'll hear the music start, and then we'll go ahead and start coming forward to place the top part of the card at the foot of the cross, okay? Okay. I want to thank everyone who was able to come up this morning and, and place your commitment at the foot of the cross. I, I know that on any given week, uh, we have issues with people traveling or illness or uh, just can't be here for a number of reasons. We have some extra cards, and so uh, some of our elders have those. I know Mike Watson for sure does, but there's others of us that have extras. If you need to take one for someone, uh, either your family or a friend who's like a family and not here, please make sure you do that. And I also want to say to those of you who are streaming online and to the audience uh, that later today we'll be sending out an electronic way to make this commitment to the people who missed and don't want to wait until next week but want to let us know the area of discipleship life that they want to commit to. So you'll, you'll see an email about that later today. Thank you. Thank you for participating with your, your soul and your body, with your faith, with your courage, and in spite of maybe some of your doubts. Because all of us know that there are things about us in our lives that Jesus is calling us to sacrifice on, on his altar. And it's going to take courage. It's going to take commitment. But I am confident that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will look back at the end of 2019 and we'll be able to say, I am so grateful for the way God has changed me in this area of my life. That I'm more like Jesus than I've ever been before. And that's what church is all about. We're going to have a few of our shepherds waiting outside of these double doors to pray with you, to talk with you. If there's anything this morning that they can, can serve you in any way as your shepherds, please go to them as together we stand and sing.